everyone, Siobhan Chapman here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's conversation primarily focuses on Chairman Powell's testimony and the setup for July's policy meeting. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Leslie, good morning. We're happy to have you. Good morning. Thank you. So let's get started, Leslie. Following last week's policy decision by the Fed, we heard this week from Chairman Jerome Powell, who testified before Congress. What are some takeaways from the testimony and what does the setup look like for the July policy meeting? Well, his testimony before Congress really didn't deviate um, too much from the, the recent FOMC meeting. And I think one of the takeaways that, that, I, that I thought was very interesting is how he phrased that it's about the destination and not necessarily the journey. And what, the, what he meant by that is to look at really where the terminal rate is and to look at the, the fact that they're actually slowing the, the pace of Fed hiking, and that's really why they had the pause here, but not necessarily the fact that they're going to be through hiking interest rates. And when we look at what the market is expecting, and if I look at the terminal rate right now and what the market is anticipating, you know, the market has about a 5.5% terminal price bid today, which is about another 25 basis point rate hike. Now, we know that from the economic projections, the market was, uh, the Fed was guiding that there would be two more rate hikes, but I think they really need to see the data to move um, another two. But I think what's important here in terms of the Fed and what he, what Chair Powell has actually accomplished is removing the amount of Fed easing that was priced in, you know, for the second half of the year. And this really, when we look back in terms of the first or second week of May, the Fed had about, you know, the market had about 80 basis points priced in. Now, that's been completely removed. And if I look at what the projections are for what the market's expecting for an ease now, it's only about six basis points. So the Fed has been successful so far um, and recently in terms of, you know, having the market move more towards their guidance, which is higher for longer. So they've, you know, taken out that Fed easing. Now, as a result of this, what we've seen in terms of yield curve is that the yield curve has deepened its inversion trend. So if we look at, for example, at where, say, two pens are today, they're almost, they're, they're, over, they're about a negative 108 or negative 100 basis points. And so we've really started to, to reinvert. And we know that over time, this inversion could actually, you know, continues to play and will continue to play somewhat of a headwind towards consumers and corporations just simply due to the elevated level of borrowing costs. But I do think that the recent testimony just sort of solidified what they were saying and saying in June. And the market's going to wait for the July meeting, which is at the end of the month. And they will have things like CPI and, and, and non-farm till then, before then. But even a 25 basis point move from the Fed at this stage is not going to dramatically change interest rates, right? We're really at the end of the cycle. The marginal benefit of moving another 25, it really is not going to be, is not going to have a huge amount of impact. What will have the impact is if, in fact, we do see this, this inflationary trend that we've seen sort of reignite and we have, and we have inflation start to reignite, right? To, to the point where the terminal rate is now going to be, go back to the chatter that we saw in the beginning of March when we were talking about 6% or 6 plus percent in the terminal rate, that will have an impact on interest rates. And if that were to occur, and if the data proves that they need to really raise, you know, materially higher than, you know, the one or two that, you know, might 
be priced into the marketplace, interest rates are going to rise, but they're just not going to be, in our opinion, sustained at that level because the higher the terminal rate goes, the more the higher the expectation of a recession will be embedded into the marketplace, and then yields will start to come down. How did fixed income markets respond? You know, listen, the fixed income markets, you know, have done, you know, really, very, very well, I have to say, and particularly even in the higher credit embedded sectors. And, and as you pointed out, we did see a little bit of widening within high yields. It was nothing that was really material. But more importantly, you know, I think what's interesting with this marketplace in terms of, you know, issuance, whether it's investment grade corporates or high yield, and the ability to go to the capital markets right now and really start issuing. I mean, high yield has started to really see um, a lot of supply, you know, in the past in the past month. I think since like April, we've had, you know, like you know, almost like 50 billion in new supply or a very large amount in, in high yield supply. And I think they're just really trying to, you know, sort of get ahead of the fact that the economy may be slowing or the risk of the economy may be slowing going forward. So we've seen a, a decent amount of supply in that sector. I mean, overall, risk assets have done, you know, fairly well. Obviously, you know, we, in our um, preferences, we do continue to, to go lean towards that higher quality. And if we look at things such as investment grade corporates, you know, we have to remember that the spread within investment grade corporates right now, we're not saying is the most attractive that we've seen in several years because it's not. I mean, you know, the spread is probably around the 50th percentile, but it does offer a very good amount of yield and carry and it has that protection against wider spreads. And it is in that higher quality sector that we believe when the economy slows, and doesn't even have to necessarily be a recession, it could be a growth type of slowing that we just continue with that growth comes in continuously below trend. So we're going to have sort of, we'll, we'll have that protection in IG, but particularly when it comes to things like agency mortgage-backed securities, that AAA that's really facing some technical headwinds due to the supply of those those three failed banks, we think that that sector offers a very attractive outlook. And we also think, too, that, you know, when we have this these Pockets of vulnerability like we've seen in preferreds, those are really attractive sectors as well. So overall, the fixed income market, you know, it's, it's, the spreads have widened a touch since the, since the testimony, but nothing that is, that is, you know, material given the amount of compression that we've seen over the past several weeks. So Leslie, CIO just released the second half outlook note titled Balancing Act. How are you recommending that fixed income investors position as the next several months play out? Yeah, we're, we're very much at an interesting crossroads here because, you know, as, as I'd mentioned, the Fed has been to date, at least, at least within the last three weeks, successful with the market pricing in a longer term, higher for longer outlook. And there's, there could be implications to that as well. I mean, higher for longer can be restrictive. I mean, one, because, you know, if in fact inflation starts to come down, as we expect, even though it's not highly unlikely it reaches the target, it could, it could start to trend downward. You're going to have sort of this rise in real yields, right? And really these rise in real yields that we're seeing, which is the nominal minus the inflation expectation has a tendency to be restrictive. And we've seen these five Five-year real yields, kind of, we sort of move up. Also, too, if you look at when we think about the excess savings that these consumers have, the more they spend, they bring that excess savings down, right? The the greater the headwind will be to interest rates. And what I mean by that is, listen, consumers have been fairly resilient to interest rates, right? More than what the market was expecting heading into 23. I mean, partly that's because we know that they've locked into much lower mortgage rates, you know, but also they've had this excess spending. So they've been able to 
to sort of withstand a lot of this rise in prices that we've seen in inflation. As excess spending comes down, the impact of higher interest rates is going to be more relevant to them. And I think that's going to be part of it as well. Or we're going to see, you know, as, as was discussed in the paper, if you see actual inflation sort of reignite, right, say because we have housing market stability or there's some sort of shock to the system that, you know, wage gains or real wage gains start to rise and the Fed has to do more than what we're currently forecasting, that could be a, that's obviously going to be an impediment too in terms of longer term growth. So when we think about this in fixed income, the reason why we're staying with this higher quality it's not just because we, we, although we do believe things like high yield at the spread that it's currently at or those with really, you know, higher embedded credit risk could be subject to higher defaults and lower recoveries. But even if, you know, we have sort of the stability within the defaults in terms of high yield, given where these spreads are, even if growth should come in better than expected, the level of compression that you're going to see within those assets are going to be very small. So given that, you know, it's the, the better opportunity or the better long-term opportunity in terms of returns, given the yields that you're, you're, you're able to earn, are really in those higher quality assets like agency MBS, IG, and even preferreds, where you can go anywhere from 55 to 7%. So turning to next week, Leslie, what will be taking place that investors should be mindful of? Yeah, I mean, next week we have, you know, a bit of data in terms of, particularly on the, the inflation side. I mean, we're going to have things like, you know, the durable goods and such, but we're going to have things like PCE that's going to come out, which is, you know, is is obviously a, a Fed favorite. You know, but more importantly, it's not just about what's happening, and we're seeing this today in terms of yields are coming down because of some weakness in what's happening in overseas, but it's also really important to pay attention to some of the data that's happening, you know, in the overseas market as well. But on the U.S. side, as as we sort of go into that 4th of July week, by the end of the week, I mean, liquidity will probably obviously start to wane a bit. But, you know, we do have some economic numbers coming out that are worth watching, such as things like the PC and durable goods. Thank you so much for joining us, Leslie. This was very informative. Thank you for giving us that update. Thanks very much. Again, today we have been joined by Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.